From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, this is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. It's a great joy to welcome you today. We're getting right into the heart of December, and Christmas is on the near horizon, and uh, we're just thankful to the Lord that we have all of the precious things that the Lord's given to us, and as a result of reading the Bible, we've discovered that there are promises, many promises made in the Bible. So for several broadcasts, we are dealing with the subject of precious promises. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 talks about exceeding great and precious promises. Yesterday, we looked at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, which is the very first messianic promise in the Bible, and we called it the promise of a Savior. And we looked at that yesterday with some of the other messianic promises, and today we're going to talk about the promise of revival. These promises are varied. They're not on the same topic or on the same subject, but we've selected some of those to look at here on the broadcast that I think are special to us. And so today, we're going to look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, and we're going to talk about the promise of revival. And here is what 7.14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now that is a promise from God of revival to the people of God. The people of God are the ones who need revival. That is, if we are not walking as we ought to walk, there is a need to turn things around, get ourselves in place like we need to be, and let the Lord do with us, through us, and for us what only He can do. And so we have here the promise of revival. Uh, It's a topic in fundamental circles a lot. I mean, I think a lot of religious people, a lot of people who profess to be Christians that uh, maybe are in liberal denominations or even in some of the ones that are not totally liberal, but yet they're kind of of middle-of-the-road kind of institutions, Uh, I think in many of them you'd hear very, very little said about revival. But in fundamental circles, revival is a topic of great interest. And whenever we look at that, there's a good reason for us to. I think about Psalm 85 and verse number 6, where the question is asked, "'Wilt thou revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee?' You know, whenever we get out of sync with God, whenever we let our relationship drag, we let it sour, we let things just uh, go awry, and things are not well between us and the Lord like they should be, the rejoicing stops. Whenever you're not thankful, whenever you're not rejoicing, that just tells me there's something spiritually amiss, and we need to correct that. And he says, revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee. And he is just making clear to us that really we can have revival. One of the hymns that we sing a lot, and again, in fundamental circles, I'm not sure otherwise who would sing this, but in fundamental circles, we sing this a lot. It's the song by William McKay entitled, Revive Us Again. It says, We praise thee, O God, for the Son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. We praise Thee, O God, for Thy Spirit of light, who has shown us our Savior and scattered our night. 
All glory and praise to the Lamb that was slain, who has borne all our sins and hath cleansed every stain. Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. And then the chorus of it says, Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. And that's just exactly what needs to happen in this world today, in many of our churches, and certainly we need a national revival. We need to see a spiritual awakening across North America and in many other places in the world. Now, you say, well, when do we need revival? Well, let me just suggest some things here. We need revival when our hearts are cold. Whenever we are not warm toward the Lord, I mean, all hours of the day, we need to be close in our walk with the Lord. But whenever we get cold of heart, we're not listening to the Word of God. We're not responding to it. It doesn't register with us, maybe like it once did. That's coldness. And that coldness needs to be warmed up. Not only that, but we need revival when our behavior is carnal. Sometimes, you know, people even who are truly born again... They get to listening to the culture. They get to listening to celebrities. They get to listening to people who have already bought into a loose lifestyle. And so they begin to dabble in things that are not of a Christian nature. They begin to dabble in things that really are either borderline sin or they're outright sin. And they just tolerate it. They make all kinds of excuse for doing it. A lot of people have the idea that, you know, it doesn't really matter if they drink alcohol or if they use drugs or whatever else. And it's like they come up with an excuse and say, hey, I have liberty so I can do whatever I please. And that, of course, is a mistaken notion. So when our carnal behavior takes hold in our life, we need revival. Uh, Sometimes uh, we need revival when our zeal goes missing. You know, sometimes... The uh, enthusiasm for the things of God goes awry. We just all at once don't have the interest. We're not really paying attention. I notice sometimes, even when you've had several people saved in a public service, and they're there, and many of them with a weeping heart, and uh, other people are showing warmth and compassion, but then some of the folks, they just can't wait to get out of the building. They wouldn't think about shaking hands with a new convert. No, they're on their way to try to beat somebody else to the restaurant and get a prime seat for Sunday dinner. Now, folks, I know I'm being a little critical, but you'll forgive me here for a moment. I'm just trying to lay this thing out and say sometimes our zeal goes missing. Sometimes, you know, folks need revival whenever church becomes a hit-and-miss kind of situation. Sometimes uh, that does develop. We get into a position where that, well, uh, yeah, we're not going to go this Sunday. Well, you know, we've got other things we want to do this Sunday, and it becomes a hit-or-miss matter. We need revival when we're no longer rejoicing in our salvation. I often rehearse the fact that I got saved just as a young boy. Somebody brought the gospel to me, and I received the Savior, and I'm telling you, it meant a lot to me then, and it means a lot to me now. And I tell the story often of that Saturday morning in September when someone came down that little dirt road and uh, brought the gospel to me at the farm at the end of the road, and I trusted the Savior that day. And folks, listen, we, we need to rejoice in our salvation and make it a daily business. Get up every day and just thank God that you're no longer hellbound. Thank God that you have a Savior. Thank God you're forgiven. Thank God that you have a home in heaven. And rejoice in your salvation. We need revival when we're not reading 
our Bible and praying. There's really no way that we can stay close to the Lord, stay warm in our walk with Him without reading His Word and spending time in prayer. We need to do that every single day. We need revival when we're not interested in reaching other people. Somehow, when you and I get saved, we need to let our enthusiasm for what we have be expressed to other people who are yet to make their choice for the Savior. And whenever you and I are not interested in reaching other people, something is amiss. And uh, let me suggest also, we need revival when we get all wrapped up in sports, in our business, in entertainment, in trips, etc. We get all wrapped up in whatever and do not have time to give our attention to the things of the Lord. We need revival. Now here are the conditions the Lord lays out in Second Chronicles 7.14. The conditions really are made very plain. He says we need to humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. Now that really is a formula for revival. He says we're to humble ourselves. Sometimes we get so full of ourselves, we get so wrapped up in thinking we are it, and we need to understand God is it. We need to understand that we are but flesh and God is the eternal God, and what we need to do is give ourselves in a very, very humble fashion, just yield ourselves to Him and let Him become the master of our life. The second thing in this conditions for revival, he says we need to pray. That means we need to talk to God on a regular basis. You know, if my wife and I did not converse, if we did not talk to one another pretty often, I'm sure that our relationship would, uh, I mean, it just would kind of go sour. But we talk to one another a lot. And the same thing with all of our family. If we talk, if we communicate, that just makes all the difference. And so you and I need to talk. We need to communicate. We need to lift our voice up to the Lord and tell Him what's on our heart. He invites us to do that. And then the third thing here is when He says, And seek my face, He wants us to draw close to Him. In fact, there's a verse in the New Testament that says, draw close to the Lord and he'll draw close to you. And we need to do that every single day. And then the last one of those conditions is turn from your wicked ways. Anything that is outside the will of God needs to be viewed as wicked. If we do not follow the Lord's word, if we do not get in his will and stay there, whatever else we have chosen, just acknowledge it's not just a matter of a poor choice, but it's a matter of a poor choice that is absolutely wicked. When we do not walk with the Lord, we have chosen to go away that's away from the Lord, and there's no way to dress that up. There's no way to gloss it over. There's no way to make it look good. It doesn't look good. It is, in fact, a wicked choice. Now, the promise God makes to us. And that's why we look at this as the promise of revival. The Lord says, if you'll follow these conditions, then I will hear from heaven. Then I will forgive your sin. And then I will heal your land. Listen, we can have revival personally. Any one of us can have revival personally. We can enjoy it on a daily basis. And we can have revival whether anybody else has it or not. Uh, our churches individually can have revival. You may be in a town that's got a hundred churches in it, and if your church wants revival, is willing to devote itself to getting revival, it can have revival whether any of the other 99 churches do or not. Now, hopefully some of them will, but uh, whether anybody else does or not, your church can have revival. Now, I'm going to make an even bigger statement here. 
I'm convinced we can have a national revival. I'm convinced we can have a national awakening. Now, it's got to start with every one of us individually. It's got to include our churches. We're not going to get anywhere in terms of national revival if our churches turn sour, if our churches head off down the trail doing all kinds of just absolutely goofy things instead of doing the things that they ought to do. There's no way that our nation will turn back. But if our churches will do right, if our churches will stand tall, if our churches will stand up to be counted and determined to have revival, then it can spread and a lot of good things can happen. Nations get into trouble, and ours is in trouble. Uh, We've got all kinds of crazy things, violence and wickedness. I mean, robbery and rape and murder, all of that kind of stuff going on all over the place. And what you and I need to understand is that is a spiritual problem. And if we get people born again, we get people walking with God, we get people listening to the Bible, then a national revival can sweep across this land and all of that nonsense could be stopped. Now, is it going to happen? I don't know whether it's going to happen or not. I'm just telling you it could happen, and I'm telling you it should happen. And if you and I will give ourselves devotedly, as we ought to, to the Lord and heed His word here, I think the promise of revival could become very real, if not nationally, then personally, and if not nationally, then in terms of our church. So I hope you'll take this promise to heart and let it speak to you. I'll do another promise tomorrow, so I hope you'll join me then. In the meantime, write me a note, Dr. Shelton Smith, at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Until tomorrow, God bless you. Have a good rest of the day, and goodbye for now.